Hey, and welcome back to Real Estate Accelerate's podcast series, What Every New Agent Asks, Should Ask, and Should Do to Start a Successful Real Estate Career. This is Chuck Dinsmore, and I'll be walking you through this incredible Q&A session today. Just a little bit about my background. I grew up in this business, but I've been licensed since 2000, and I've seen good markets and bad markets as I watched everyone around me struggle with the ups and downs of this crazy profession. Because of these systems and techniques that I'm going to teach you today, I get to have the time to do what I really love, and that is share my knowledge and experience with you. So relax, listen, and enjoy today's core topic on accelerating your business. Now let's get started. Hey everyone and welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about selecting a broker and the different types of broker setups, what you should consider when selecting one. In this session you're going to learn about brokerage structures and how a broker thinks, what you should consider from your own point of view for your business, and some of the services you could expect from your broker, and why you have to give them part of your commission. There's several types of brokerage setups. To begin, I need to start with a little history and tradition, and then we'll move into the newer structures, their philosophies, benefits, and the contrast. Keep in mind as we go through this that there's no right or wrong structure. It simply comes down to what works best for your business. Now, as we talk about this, we're going to be mentioning several different brokerages, but it's only because of their effect on the history of our business. I don't recommend one brokerage over another. That is entirely up to you and what works best for your business. So to start, in the United States, in 1855, the very first brokerage was founded, and that's Baird Warner, and they're still in business today. In 1908, the National Association of Real Estate Exchanges was formed at the YMCA Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. In 1916, the National Association of Real Estate Exchanges coined the term Realtor. In the early 1960s, the National Association of Real Estate Boards created the National MLS system based on unilateral offer of cooperation. This means that your board is in cooperation with all of the other boards nationwide. If you refer a customer to somebody else in another state or at another board, you can get paid a referral fee for that. In 1994, the property listings began to become publicly available on the Internet. Before then, they were only available in books called MLS books. 2010 to present, real estate data is even more prevalent and becomes easily accessible for everybody. So today, it's much more important for you to worry about customer service and keeping yourself informed on the market so that you can continue to be a value to your client. Before I go into the types, though, a little bit about point of view. A brokerage is a business. They're in it for a profit, just like any business. You are an agent to the broker, which means that you are an independent contractor bringing customers to that brokerage. You are also a business. You're in it for a profit as well. So keep in mind that they're a business, you're a business, and you're working together as partners to service the client. As long as you have that point of view, you'll understand why a broker thinks the way they do and what you should be thinking about for your business. Brokers compete with each other to get new agents or to get existing agents to build their business. When a broker offers a higher percentage to the agent, they have to sacrifice something in order to be able to stay open and to make a profit. From your point of view, you need to understand your business and what's best for your business. To start with, are you full-time, are you part-time, or are you simply a referral business? A referral business is someone that may not actively participate in real estate transactions, but you know a lot of people and you refer them to brokers and their agents for a percentage of the commission. 
That's a perfectly legitimate business, and there are actually national businesses that make money that way alone. They find buyers and sellers all over the country, and they refer them to other agents, and they make their money solely on referral commissions. You also need to consider whether you want to work out of your home or whether you want to work out of an office. Now think about that before you make that decision. Working out of home sounds really sexy because you can set your own schedule, you can roll out of bed and go straight to work, and you don't have to get up and get dressed, right? But keep in mind there's a lot of distraction in your home. Psychologically, there are reasons that you may want to keep your business at the office and not in your home. You may go through your home in the middle of the day and the pets distract you, they need a walk, or you find something that needs to be cleaned up, or maybe you can't concentrate because of the noise in the background. Having an office-based business actually gives you that sense of professionalism and gives you the ability to keep your business and your work at work and not bring it home with you. Also, remember you're an independent contractor, so you will have a contract with your broker. Your contract will spell out exactly what the broker expects from you and what you have to give the broker. Whatever brand you go with, it's a label that you put on your business, but it's still your business. So keeping that in mind, everything you do should focus on increasing your brand awareness. Whether it's your name or the name of your team, you're going to get your name out there and you're going to become known for what you do. And if you ever leave the brokerage, a lot of your customers will continue to go with you because of the impact you've made on them. So with that in mind, anything you do, such as signage, phone numbers, email addresses, make sure it's something you can take with you if you ever decide to change a brokerage. You don't want an email address that has the broker's name in it because when you leave, the broker's going to keep it. You also don't want to put a phone number on your business cards and your signs that you can't take with you. Now, some brokers may require you to put their number on there, but you can also put your personal cell number or a different number that goes directly to you. In a traditional brokerage, the broker and the agent split their commission 50-50. And with the money that the broker took in, they provided services to the agent. They would provide advertising, they might provide E&O insurance, a web presence in, in a modern-day brokerage, an international presence through international advertising. They would provide training, leads and referrals, floor time so that you can get more leads, and other support such as paperwork, supplies, and standard packaging. When I started out in this business, I started with a more traditional brokerage. I grew up in the business and actually ran an office for my mother, and she had a traditional brokerage as well. So we provided all of the advertising for the agents, and we provided all of the training for the agents. But we also took all of the responsibility for the transactions. If something went wrong, it was our responsibility because we had trained those agents. So there's a reason why the broker gets part of your commission. So to understand a broker's point of view, they have two terms that they use to measure their profitability. One is called the house dollar, and one is called their desk cost. So the house dollar is how much money the broker gets out of every transaction. That's the percentage the broker keeps. The desk cost is the operating cost per agent or per desk that the broker has every single month. So traditionally, the broker, say, might have 20 desks. They add up all of their expenses for operating their business, divide it by 20, and that's their desk cost. The house dollar has to exceed the desk cost to make a profit. Doesn't that make sense? 
So when the broker reduces their house dollar by increasing your commission, they have to cut back somewhere else on their operating expenses. Whether it's advertising or providing you with long distance phone calls or copies or even support material that you need to operate your business, they have to find it somewhere. A lot of brokerages cut out training because of this because they just simply can't afford to keep a trainer on staff. In the 1980s, a new business came out called Remax. Remax stands for Real Estate Maximums. What the philosophy behind Remax is, is that instead of the buyer and the seller being the customer of the broker, they wanted to make the agent the customer of the broker. Now, this doesn't relieve any responsibilities from the brokers to service the customers, but what it did do is had the brokers focus more on the agents and what their needs were in their business. It also let the agents have more flexibility in running their own business. A lot of agents were trained as brokers, but they didn't want to take on the responsibility as brokers, so they stayed under a brokerage as a broker agent. The way Remax set this up is, is they did away with all of the operating expenses and they moved them on to the agents. Agents started paying rent for their desk, they started paying fees for their phone and copy usage, and they paid for all of their own advertising and basically every expense for operating their business. In return, Remax gave them 95% of the commission. It's a good setup if you're an experienced agent and you're selling over $4 million in volume a year, it might make sense. But a traditional brokerage that keeps a percentage of your commission in order to pay the overhead might make better sense for you since you're starting out. But it's up to you. You have to make the decision for your own business. Also, what came about around the same time was Keller Williams and Exit Realty. Both of these are set up in a different structure where they reward their agents for recruiting new agents. They give them a percentage of that agent's production once a particular threshold has been reached. Now keep in mind, even in these situations, they know what their desk cost is, and their compensation is based on you achieving enough revenue or house dollar to the broker to cover that annual desk cost before they start rewarding you with those percentages. All kinds of hybrids have shown up since then, including agencies that pay you 100%, but those businesses couldn't stay in business if they didn't collect revenue somewhere. Typically, they'll charge you a per-transaction fee, an office fee, maybe an E&O or errors and omissions insurance fee, or a transaction fee to the client. One way or another, though, they have to pay their operating costs to stay in the business, and you want to make sure they stay in business, too. That's why you have to give up part of your commission. So, what does the future hold? There's a lot going on today with the Internet. Customers have access to all of the information. They can find out what homes have sold for. They can find out what homes are currently on the market. But what you have to offer is still information. Before the Internet came out, realtors were in charge because they controlled the MLS book. They knew where all the listings were. They had it in a book, and they protected that book with their lives. They would not let it get out to the client. That way, the client had to use a broker. But now, since the information is out there and everyone knows it, what does a realtor control? Well, a realtor controls knowledge. They know what they're doing. The average customer doesn't buy a house every single day. They might buy it once every seven or eight years, right? It's also the biggest investment in their life most of the time. They need a professional who is trained, who knows all of the roadblocks, who knows where all of the detours and the potholes are and the ways they can get into trouble. Someone who's navigated this and knows how to get them where they need to go in the least amount of time with the least amount of headache. 
and they'll pay you for that service. You're the one that's trained, you're the one that's educated, and you actually do have more knowledge than they do because you have the most up-to-date information about the listings, about the market, how long properties are staying on the market, and how close to the asking price they're selling for. To summarize, customer service, respect, and trust, and education are key to a successful business. We've reviewed how a broker thinks, why a broker is in business the way they are. We've reviewed how you should set up your own business and consider how a broker works with your business. We've reviewed the different brokerage structures and which one works best for different types of businesses. We've looked at services you should consider for your business that a broker may or may not provide. And we've talked about the future of brokerage. In order to help you out, there will be a checklist published with this that will summarize all of these different topics so you can decide what's important for you and what's not important for you. That might help you on your path. And always keep in mind that it's your business. It's not the brokerage's business. It's yours. If the broker doesn't work out, make a change. It's not that difficult to do. So thank you very much, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, so that about wraps it up for today's session. As always, you can visit our site at www.hearchuck.com to ask your own questions and to subscribe to our series. It's absolutely free. If you like what you've heard today, please share the link with a friend and invite them to join you. If you really like it, go to the site and leave a rave review. I'm not above bribery, so if you leave a review, then forward a copy to me. I'll send you a free bonus by email. Just go to our site www.hearchuck.com Thanks again for listening. Remember to excel in everything you do. Live, love, and laugh fully, and most of all, make the world a better place. This is Chuck Dinsmore, and I'll be speaking to you soon. So here's the required legalese. We are not attorneys. We do not give legal advice. We do not play attorneys on TV, nor do we give accounting advice. For that advice, please seek legal counsel or accounting or other licensed professional within the field that you're looking for. We also do not make recommendations to replace what your broker policy is. So if you have any questions at all, please check with your broker and make sure that you are adhering to their policies first, as well as the state laws in your area. The previous podcast is a production of Seaclear Academy and Chuck Dinsmore, copyright 2013 by Seaclear Academy. Duplication in any form whatsoever is expressly prohibited without written permission and will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. For further information, please visit our website at www.seaclearacademy.com.